Hello, and welcome to All Being Done. My guest in this episode is Aberdeen's all-time leading goalscorer, the king of the beach end, Joe Harper. It was a real pleasure to chat to Joe, and we talked for so long, this will be a two-parter. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can also follow us on social media, at All Being Done. We join as Joe talks about signing for his boyhood team, Greenock Morton. asked to play uh, a junior game. It was Irvine Meadow against Irvine Victoria. I didn't know this at the time, but Irvine Meadow were the Rangers of Irvine, and Irvine Victoria were the Celtic of Irvine. So right. it was a Celtic game. You actually played a, a Rangers strip, and they were playing Celtic strip. So it was <laughs> about uh, all from Cup Final. Anyway, I scored three goals that day. We had 4-1. scored three goals. There's a guy who came up to me after and he apparently was the one that set it up. It was a Rangers scout. Yeah. I, I can't remember his name now. He said to me, he says, oh, he says, you know, we're going to have a look at you. You're just a wee bit too recent to make it. I was just new. He said, well, keep, well, keep an eye on you. Don't you worry about that. That's fine. So I went home. I was a Saturday. I went home the Saturday night. And I got a phone call on Saturday night. And it's a Celtic scout. Right. And he'd been watching me. And he thought he would like to have me up training. And I said, oh, aye. So the ranger school doesn't go to their training as well. And my dad, my dad and my grandfather were in the house at the time. And they both said, no, no, he says, we'll give you an answer on Wednesday. You remember this was a Saturday, I'd be playing the game. Mm. Uh, we'll give you an answer on Wednesday. Oh, that's fine, that's great. So on a Sunday night, I'm sitting in the house with mum and dad. My granddad was in as well, and a door, the doorbell goes up, what the door and open it? It's Hal Stewart, the Morton manager. Okay. Well, it wasn't he? It wasn't my Hal Morton, he was the manager because he was, he never put a tracksuit on his life. He's the old fashioned type manager, he's in charge of it, you know, yeah. but he's the actual manager. And um, he said, I don't know, I recognize him right away. I went, oh, hello, Mr. Stewart. He said, hello, Joe, how are you? I said, fine. I said, can I help you? He says, I'd like to speak to your mum and dad. Now, he had a bottle of whiskey in one hand and a box of chocolates in the other hand. <laughs> he says, I said, Dad, it's Mr. Hal Stewart Morton. He says, tell me, come in. So he went in and he sat in. My grandma was there. And she says, listen, he says, we watched yours since his first game at Capo, you know, in the cup final. And he could go through every game and tell me what the scores were and who scored the goals. That, you know. And uh, he said, we'd like to sign Joe. I say, say, and put on an apprenticeship and we'll get him a job as well, blah, blah, blah. So he said, well, he says, well, I've had offers for Rangers and offers for Celtic. He said, I've told them, I'm going to tell you how. He said, we'll give you an answer on Wednesday. Right. He said, well, that's right, that's all I can ask. He gave the whiskey to my dad and gave the boss of trucks to my mum. They sat there and chatted for ages. The other two couldn't get away quick enough. You know, once they were, mm. uh, he said, well, you know, we're going to, and he sat there for ages, so at the end of it all, I just said to him, I said, right, you know, who, who, am, I, you know, who am I going to go for? What are what, what we doing? And, and you know, you've, got to, you've got to remember that you're either a carpenter or a frozen. There's nothing in between. Mm-hmm. I think same for Celtic, Preston, same for Rangers, you know, as a Preston, 
I was brought up a Protestant, my dad was a Protestant, my mum was a Catholic, he married a Catholic, so I didn't, I never had any bias or anything, you know, anything. Yeah. But, you know, as I said to my mum, who, who do you want me to, who do I go to? And they both said at the same time, you'll go to Morton. <laughs> but I had to ask you a question because, I, you know, I thought, well, I'm much better. He says, why, why am I going to Morton? What explanation for that? My granddad said, listen, son, he says, if you're good enough, he says, you go to Morton and do your apprenticeship at Morton. He says, you're going to better things and bigger things if you're good enough. If you're not good enough, you still be at Morton. you still got a game at Morton. But if you go to Ibrox or Celtic or Parkhead, he says, they've got hundreds of boys up there. Yeah. And they've got to pick all the boys in Glasgow and Edinburgh and stuff like that. He says, you go there, he says, you can get lost. And your football career can be over before you even blink an eye. I said, that's fine. And that was it. And that's what we told the Rangers scout, we told the Celtic scout. I mean, for a phone call, and I said to him, oh, my sister, it's Joe here. She said, just let me tell you, I'd love to come to Cabo. I was a born supporter anyway. Yeah. It wasn't was going to be a, a hard thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. My house was five minutes away from the car, uh, from the park. Um, you know, I could walk down in the mornings, get up, I could, we had to have been about half past eight. I could get up at quarter past eight and be doing that park for half past eight. <laughs> no, 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 we lying in the morning, is that? No, no, not at all. So, you know, it, it was all set up. That was, that's how it all started in my, my career in Morton. Um, my first senior game, I always played in the reserves. I played against some great players, a lot of ex-Rangers and Celtic players and Hearts players. Uh, when we were playing Hearts or any of that, you know, we were playing for playing all the ex ones. I mean, I mean ex, all the sort of older guys were just finishing their careers. Yeah. Uh, I played against them uh, in the reserves. Uh, I played as a right winger in those days. Right. But I was scoring, I mean, my first season I scored 20 odd goals for the reserves. Uh, and it, it just uh, multiplied. I also played my first game for the, the for Morton senior team at uh, just turned 16. Uh, we played uh, at Partick Thistle and it was in the summer cup it was called it right. must have been 1964 uh, 65 uh, it was called the summer cup and I scored the only goal of the game and uh, at that time the big programme was on TV uh, on TV was the Bonanza oh yeah the and cowboy one aye right. little Joe little Joe and horse well, you know the headlines the Sunday pairs the next day little Joe shoots Arctic Thistle down, you know, and so that's that stuff. And that was that. Uh, but the following week, we had to play them again in the, the next leg, yeah, the second leg. And uh, Joe Mason was the guy who got, uh, was, uh, was, well, he wasn't injured. He actually called off uh, because he'd been feeling sick in the morning. And uh, that's why I guess there wasn't any reserves at those times. You know, he didn't have reserves on the bench. Mm-hmm. But I was travelling the club because I was the, the, the ball player, the Kit man, helped me kit man. And they, they got me a pair of boots with Patrick Thistle, because I didn't have my boots with me. I was like, maybe I was expecting me to play. <laughs> uh, I used a wee guy called Willie Hume's boots for Patrick Thistle, and I scored the only goal of the game. Beautiful. And then the following week, Joe was fit again. Joe Mason was fit again, so I, I was in any team, you know, they could beat. <laughs> so I was quite happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> See, they, uh, did, did you have to give the boots back? Oh, yes, I, 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 I don't know if Wally even knew I played with him. You know, I don't know if he, if he knew because they, they just took him. They went into their boot room and she said, what size is this? And seven. She said, there you go. 
How did you find that um, those first games in the Morton team then? Because obviously, was it was it tough playing against a lot more physical players? Because obviously, Celtic and Rangers were talking about you being small and things. Did did you yeah. did, was that something that you found as you were going into the first team that it was a struggle physically? No, really, no, no. I was really, I was, I was quite a good builder, I must say, Paul. You know, I was quite stubby and strong, uh, and I was fast. You know, and, and no, I didn't. They? I just don't get me wrong. They, they, you know, they got me a few times. <laughs> uh, you used to, you used to, you had to get used to. Yeah. You're thrown in a deep end. You just had to, you know, man up and go on there. Uh, but as I say, the, the, the good thing about it for me at that time was I was playing right wing. When I signed for Aberdeen, now. I'm just going to leave it on. When I signed for Aberdeen, I was actually a right winger. When I signed for Aberdeen, Jason Turnbull uh, made me into a striker. Um, I just played me in the middle. That was it. Mm. So, so I was a right winger who scored 20 odd goals a season, you know, because I was always in the box and in the boot. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, no, it wasn't hard for me. Uh, I mean, uh, there was guys like John Cummings who played with Hearts. He's a great old player, you know, and Jim Kennedy played with Celtic. Who's uh, the other one? He's a right back. He used to play with uh, Rangers. I can't remember his name just now. And they would, they would help you. You know, they would say, "Don't you worry about it. if ball comes off you, you collect it. I'm not going to come in and hammer you. I'll hit you from behind." They used to talk to you. That's in the reserves. Mm-hmm. Once you get in your football into the big boys, you know there wasn't anything like that. But certainly in the in reserves, uh, John Cummings, uh, the Harrison, uh, Jim Kennedy. Uh, and they were great guys to play against you know they, they really spoke to you and helped you in a, and it was good it was good it's a great experience the, that's it. being a Campbell was the best uh, apprenticeship I could have had because you got to remember 1965 or 66 we house brought all the Danish players over mm-hmm. And these guys were all Danish internationals, but they were amateurs. That's how we could take them away. He took them over and they put them in a house. He bought a big house and there's five bedrooms in this big house. And how had Derek Sorensen, Kaya Hansen, Previn Arntoff, Bjorn Sorensen. Um, you know, and they, all these guys were internationals in Denmark, but they weren't getting paid. So he took them over here. And as it was, he gave them 100 quid a week, I think. Just a spending money. And that was a lot of money in those days. Right. I mean, my, my first wage was a tenner. You know, and the, the, the first team's wages weren't much higher than that. So £100 and no digs to pay or no food to pay for or anything like that was, was brilliant. Yeah. But they go back in the afternoon because there was nothing to do, you know. You know, it was a working say, a working town, you know, mm-hmm. ship you up and stuff like that. So they used to go back in the afternoon. That was it. They the, the brush you know, brushing up the terraces and stuff like that. I used to drop tools, get my boots around good. I just practice, practice shooting with them. The, the goalkeeper was Eric Sorensen, who's a magnificent goalkeeper, a big Danish boy, blonde hair, bull and axe, eh, and Oxford. And he used to hate people scoring against him. And I used to love scoring. So it was a great time, you know, I get crossbows in for the other players that do volleys, half volleys, overhead kicks, diving headers, everything. And I worked so hard on my left foot in those days because I was right-footed that I actually became better my right my, my left foot. In fact, it was only about five or six years ago, my son had been watching some of the, the, the tapes I had. 
and we scored. He said, Dad, what? Well, you're right footed. I said, I. He said, every, every game I've seen, out of the five games I've seen, you've scored, every team you scored for your left foot. I said, well, I suppose that's true. I didn't realise that. Uh, even for Scotland, I scored my first goal for Scotland with my left foot. You know, so I mean, it was just a, just, it was a fantastic time. Uh, you couldn't, as I say, as a child, because uh, I still a child, I'm 16 years of age, you know, I still a kid. You couldn't get a better apprenticeship. It's fantastic. It's uh, it really does show like you're clearly very lucky to have those players to work with at that time as well because it's yeah. not something a young player would have had to play with these established internationals, especially at a club like Morton. You'd have to be playing a lot higher up the up the up the leagues to be training with international players every day as yeah. well. So uh, phenomenal. The um, obviously when you signed for Aberdeen, you were back at Morton for a second spell. Um, just before we we go to your transfer to Aberdeen in your your second spell at Morton. Uh, you got your first taste of European football in the first cup against Chelsea. Um, yeah. What was that like for you? Fantastic, magnificent. Uh, it was, uh, it was. I mean, going to Chelsea's football ground was just amazing. You know, compared to Capello, uh, we went down there. I think we could beat five one, something like that. Five one. Uh, but we, you know, it was quite a good performance against the team of Chelsea. Uh, came back um, and playing against. Uh, oh, Chopper Harris. Mm. Chop, back then, I met Chopper Harris about 10 years ago in Aberdeen at, a, at the, the, the cricket club in Aberdeen. He was up doing a Chelsea dinner. And I was invited along to his dinner. And he was speaking and went up to meet him. And we're getting voice saying that. And I'm standing there saying, Chopper, I said, this is the nearest I've ever been here with you. <laughs> and he just laughed. You know, that was that. Charlie Cook was there as well. And Charlie Cook was a like, real boy. He came from there, Charlie. Right. He was at Chelsea at that time, you know. So we could beat five one, but they gave him an awful fright the second leg. We're three nothing up at half time against them. Uh, and it was great, but they eventually I think it was the uh, Osgrove by Cotty. Osgrove came back, I think they scored with three that night the BS four three. But uh, it was a great great experience for international football. And um so nineteen sixty nine uh, Eddie Turnbull brings you to Tawdry. Um What were your first dealings with uh, Eddie Turnbull then? First dealings I had, I went to Catalina training that day uh, and I still helped with the, with the, the, because I was local, I used to help with the, the ground stuff and that, you know, doing the work for the, the Russian terraces and that, just somebody did. I used to go to the park, didn't I? I was always at the park. I used to go down in the morning at half past eight do my work with the, the jerseys and the towels and everything out, get the bass run, do, you know, crushing terraces. In the afternoon, I'd go with Danish boys whenever they were good, so two or three times a week. And then I used to have a, a, a part-time players used to train on a Tuesday and a Thursday night, and I stayed doing the Tuesdays and Thursday night and trained with them. So I was actually most of the, the days with everybody, you know, and as I say, it was only five minutes for the house, so it wasn't a problem. Um... So I was I'd been at the park and I just came home for my, my lunch this day and I came back in the house and says, Joe, can I speak to you? I says, what is it? He says, I said, Mr. Turnbull on the phone. As he called him Mr. Turnbull. He knew him, he knew him very well. Hal Stewart and Eddie were very good pals. He says, Mr. Turnbull, I says, he says, have you heard of him? I says, I says Aberdeen. He says, aye. He says, I'd like to speak to you. <laughs> and I said, what about it? He says, he's interested in taking you up to Aberdeen. Would you be interested? 
Así es, así es, todo el mundo, así es, pero no fue por ir, pues así Queen Street Station in Glasgow to meet him and Bobby, no, me, me scout, Bobby, Bobby, oh, and never has name here. Me scout, you'll find it, you'll be finding the book somewhere. I think, I've, I've, you know, I read your book last week, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I went up there and he told me, he sat there and he said, and he told me, he said, I want you to sign for Aberdeen. He said, I'm rebuilding the team, Joe. He said, I, I went to Aberdeen, I've been there for a year. See, I'm, just, I'm just getting rid of 14 players this post-season. He said, the one you come and sign for me. He told me, I spoke to me, and he told me everything about it, how, he, how things run, how he liked to play football and that. And uh, I said, yeah, okay. I love that. I said, yeah, no problem. He said, great start. So we signed. I didn't, he, he didn't ask me how much I wanted. He didn't ask me about my signing on fee because I never said it. I just said, I'm f- no, I said, I'm fine, I'm sure. Because Hal Stewart told me and my dad had told me he's an honest man. Mm. You know, he's a really good fella. I said, okay. And I never said that. He said, listen, you'll be in the same wages as the top players at Aberdeen. You'll get the same bonuses. And I'll sort of a very good signing on fee for you. So that's fine then. So I said, right, I'll just go to the road and get my boots and I'll, what, what do you want of Aberdeen? He says, I want young Aberdeen today. I said, well, is he all right? He said, I want you in Aberdeen today. He says, so don't leave your car and just get a train up. We'll, we'll organise somebody to get your car down the road and you get a train up to Aberdeen, okay? Bobby called him as a wee scout and Bobby will go up with you. So me and Bobby called him and up the train. Straight from the meeting? No, no. No, I, no, it was about an hour and a half later, yeah. actually. Uh, went on the train. I got to Aberdeen. And uh, it was just brilliant. The whole thing was brilliant. You know, I played at Aberdeen. Funny thing is, I played at Aberdeen about three weeks before that, and I scored against them. I played against Jimmy Hermiston that night, and I scored against them. Uh, we beat 2 1, I think it was 2 each. And uh, I think that was the game that they saw me wanting me to sign. But I was playing the right wing, as I said at that time. And I went there. And once I get to Aberdeen, and I've got all the tests done, because I had to get a fitness test. You know, I had to, they look at you and do all the tests and that to make sure you're okay mm. before before it's finished. Um, I got that, and I said, right, what, what's happening now then? He says, oh, he says, you just, we'll, we'll put you in a hotel tonight. He says, and we'll pick you up in the morning. Uh, about 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. I said, well, where are we going? He said, we're going to Air United to play. So I came to Gdina. Well, Air United is 20 minutes down the road right. for me. I've come to Gdina up to Glasgow, up to Aberdeen, stayed overnight, come back down again the next bloody day to go to Air United. <laughs> so again, it was the old scenario, of, you know, I need to get my boots. He said, don't worry, we'll get I'll phone how and you organise the boots. And I got there and uh, play, I played against the United. That's my first game. That's when I met all the players, Henning Bowl, Bobby Clark, Tom McMillan, you know, George Murray, Jimmy Harrison, all the, all the fantastic players that I played with. Uh, we won the game. I think we won it 2-0. Henning scored a goal 
and Henning got injured. And I always maintain I was the first person to start the overlapping fullbacks because Eddie told me to play back a bit because you can, as I say, you didn't have subs in those days. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so you couldn't put a man on. So I ended up playing right back, and I was the one that was running to the park trying to get crosses. And so I was there, but it was me starting overlap fullback. You know, I was the first one, first one that did that. Uh, so we won that game. When, and then when I, I got the weekend, the rest of the weekend off, I was up there, I had to be up for Monday afternoon. I went up on the Monday out in the train, Monday afternoon. Sorry, I drove up on the Monday um, to Aberdeen and they put me into uh, Mr. and Mrs. Esselman's uh, in King Street, uh, no King Street. Um, oh, God. Can't remember. I'll remember the street, don't worry about it, come with me eventually. Um, and we went into the digs there and we, we played Partick Thistle in the Cup in a league game. Mm-hmm. Um, we won one night and I during the goal there, apparently. And that was the start of it. That was the start of the, 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 the love uh, I had with the Aberdeen fans in the beach end. Mm-hmm. And, and Crown Street was up to that street where we used to stay in that, In fact, Cup time, Mackay, Derek, Arrived at exactly the same day as me. Okay. Eddie, Eddie signed him as well. He didn't need me. Both stayed in digs so and became really good pals and friends until he died. Uh, you know, we did a Renegar, putting dates together, girlfriends and stuff like that. So, good. Um, obviously, you've mentioned Derek Mackay there, so we can't talk about that season. We're not talking about Cup tie. So, uh, the first game, though, in that cup run against Clydebank, um, you were in a car crash the day before the game, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a night before a game. Um, no, 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 it wasn't, a, sorry, it wasn't a day before the game. It was a week before that game. Right. It, was a week, it wasn't a week because the accident happened on a Saturday night and the, we were playing the Wednesday or the Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and what happened was we played Rangers on a Saturday, I think it was, and we drew one each. Uh, and I scored the goal, but I got a bump in the head about 15 minutes from the end of the game, and they took me off. So the doctor says, Listen, go home tonight. I've given you some medication. He says, Take it. See, if you have any problems with your head or that, I said, Wait a minute, I can't get him tonight. He says, What do you mean you can't get this? He says, Don't, I've got my girlfriend's a bridesmaid at a wedding uh, in a hotel in the in uh, Stonehaven mm-hmm. and the Commodore Hotel I says now my partner I says so even if I go for a couple of years you know and then I'll go home I says I promise you I'll go home I says but I'm feeling okay he says but I'm, says, I'm telling you Joe if you get any pigs you get home if it still persists go to the hospital I'll get some you take the hospital aye okay okay <clears throat> so I drove down some miserable weather Unbelievably bad weather, and it wasn't you didn't have waterways in those days, there was one you know just two traffic, two way traffic. Right. And so, I driving the, to the dinner, uh, to the wedding, I wasn't drinking because you know I was on pills anyway, but I wasn't going to be drinking anyway because uh, I was going to be having to drive back uh, in morning. And you know, had a good time, but the music was beginning to get louder and louder, beginning to get a bit of a sore I'm going to be back to my, my digs. Uh, I'll see you, I'll phone you tomorrow, okay, she said, okay. Drove back, there's half of the East Bay. Do you know Aberdeen well, Paul? Um, I'm from, I'm from Aberdeen. Oh, yeah, well, right. you know where you can go to Aberdeen, uh, Bridget T, and you drive up, there's a garage on your left-hand side in the motorway. Yes, yes, I know where you are. 
well, see if you go past that, about another two miles, there used to be another garage on the left-hand side. It's not there near the front of as a petrol, you know, for getting petrol now. Right. So I'm coming back the way, and I'm driving back, crying. And I saw the lights coming towards me, and there's about three sets of cars. And there was a slow, it looks like slowed down, they were slowed down. The next thing, the first car just cut right across me. And I need an option because there's a, on the left-hand side, when I was driving in the Aberdeen, there's about three or four little cottages, but they're right on the main road. And those, they know that day, they're right on the main road, you know, so they're digging right into one of the houses. Mm. So my option was to go straight ahead and hammer him side on, or I'm going to try and turn off, so I pulled to the right to avoid them, which we did, which I did do, but the car behind them, I hit head on, and it was actually somebody who came from Banff, I hit him head on, they both bad crash, so he could, he could take note in the hospital, I could take note, <clears throat> and he, we, we had to, obviously we had to be breathalyzed, why they probably, because I wasn't drinking. But the boy who was in the car was actually a, a fisherman who'd just come off fishing. I, the boats, he'd been pissed. Yeah. And he, he was really bad, so he got done for drunk driving. Everything. I was trying to throw my car into the field. That's what I was trying right. to do. So, I, when I came, I, after that, before the ambulance came, before the police came, there was a wee cottage left hand says an old man and a woman in it. Um, I thought they were about 50 or something like that. And they took us in, you know, into the, the house and they were cleaning up my face and everything. And um, I just said to him, I says, was that one of you, you know, what happened there? There's somebody driving in here, in this bit here, I came across, there must be a road that you got past your house, is there? He said, they said, no, 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 there's no road, no, no. I says, there must be, there's a car come across me, you know, Turned across me, I said, no, no, there's no. Anyway, the police came in that time, got breathalyzed, and the ambulance came to me in the hospital. Uh, so it was on a Monday, I think it was. No, Sunday morning. Hey, no, Monday, Monday it was. I went, uh, I decided I was going to go up to see these people, you know, because they'd take me in and, you know, they'd give me a cup of tea and that. Mm. And so I was tidying me up. And I took the boy up, ball up, I seen the woman, a, a box of chocolates. And then I was then talking to him for ages. And I says to him, I says, did I ask you if there was a road because I was saying here? She said, you did, Joe. They knew who I was by this point. Nice. You know, this, you did, Joe, he says, uh, and there isn't a road. I said, oh, great, I could have sworn there would be a road. But what it was is, to get into the, if you only get into these houses with a car, there was a little driveway it went in, and it went down about maybe 10 yards, and then it turned it, it went right along the front of the houses. Okay. I didn't know that, so uh, I said, oh, God, and, I said, and the thing that triggered the whole thing off was I said, listen, it's just, I don't know who was in that car, but if I'd been straight ahead, I'd have killed him, whoever was in that car, because I had no chance. I tried, I didn't want to put it into your houses. I tried to throw it in the field. And I, I, I said, if somebody had been in that car, they'd have been dead now. And that's when their faces started to turn white. And I said, Oh, kind of car was it, Joe? I said, I don't know. I said, it's a black car. I know that. That's a... She said, well, her daughter came home not long after that. Right. After the crash, right? Just literally after the crash. She said, there's a taxi 
and he drove her in. I mean, oh, for Christ's sake. Mm. And uh, so I don't want to, I don't want to upset you. I would have killed her because I was going to have the car right in the middle. Mm. And that's, that's what they said. And so the police came. We told the police. The police phoned her. The woman spoke to her. They got the name of the taxi company. The taxi company got the name of the guy and took her there. And he had been for dangerous driving and, uh, and dropping this girl off. And that, you know, and then so that's that out of the road. So the, the Sunday morning, that Sunday morning, I was up to Eddie Turnbull's house and knocked the door. And his, his daughter uh, came out and she, she was a young girl at the time, guy. I mean, younger, a lot younger than me, half my, not even half my age, younger. She said, oh, Joy, what's wrong? And I heard Eddie Carroll saying, what the fuck's he up to this? <laughs> <laughs> I said, he's speak to you, boss. And I came out, he came out and said, oh, Jesus, what well, have you told him about crash that? Well, 41 stitches, I think it was in my face. It was all little stitches, you know, it wasn't, a big, it wasn't going to be a big, big scar. It was little stitches to the glass smashing in. I cracked three ribs, and in those days they used to stick your tape around you. You know, that big white sticky tape. You put that around you, which is the worst thing in the world. It just makes you worse. So, three cracked ribs, uh, 40, uh, 42 stitches, 41 stitches. And uh, it's a Wednesday now for the, the cup, uh, game against Clyde Bank. So I was in the Wednesday morning, uh, that did. You know, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't, couldn't train, but I used to go and just sit in the treatment room and talk to the boys now. And, that. and <coughs> somebody said, oh, let's team up for uh, tomorrow night for the Tuesday. Uh, so, I, I, so I said, so I look at her, so I look at her. Now I'm in the, I'm in the squad, I'm so like a dancer. That's brilliant. The boss is putting me in the squad. That means I'll get a bonus if they win. You know, <laughs> uh, so I guess uh, the park, the, 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 sorry, that was the Monday. So I guess the part of Tuesday for the game at night and uh, I'm sitting there and she's right, this is a team and he needs a team out and he gets to number nine. She's Harper. And I thought, I went, <laughs> I busted her off. And she said, you laughing at? I said, all right. And I'm looking at I'm hooking my, my, my ribs, you know, because I'm laughing. He says, what are you laughing at? I said, just because I've got her ribs and that, and the, you know, the, the, the stitches. I saw the stitches in. She says, aye. He says, you're fucking playing. He says, you better score. <laughs> what was that? So we did. We knew it. I played before the 41 stitches it was. Mm-hmm. And the tea cracked ribs. How, how was that? Like, was that really, really painful then? That must have been horrendous. It, was, it wasn't really painful. It was painful, you know, as you can say. In fact, we had a thing I used to do is... Uh, I'd, we do the, the, the kickoff, you know, and I pass it back to Jim Emerson. And then I started running out of the park, and then I turned quickly, and Jim would give me a bat again, or had to take me, you know, to my feet. Hmm. And we always did this, and uh, I did that. I did that. I put it to him. I ran out 15 yards out of the park, and then I turned to, to get the ball off him, and Jim had hit the ball, but he hit it quite hard, and it hit me in the face. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ping, ping. <laughs> Two stitches came out, so I'd my fucking face after about 30 seconds. Um, no, it wasn't bad. It wasn't too bad. I, uh, I think I, I gave myself maybe 
pain thinking about it, you know, but when I didn't think about it, if I just if somebody hit the bond, I just ran for it. I was okay. Mm-hmm. Um so that was it. that was the way you did. That's the things you did in those days. Uh, well, at least at least uh, at least we won and you, you still got the bonus anyway. <laughs> no, actually actually I actually the, that game that night was the worst game we played in the cup final. We we should have lost that game that night. Uh, Clyde Bank were all over us. A young boy called David Cooper playing with him at the time. David Cooper he went on to Rangers. Oh, uh, and he was some player. And he, I mean they should have been as with four four two or something like that. But it didn't they? And we beat them. And maybe we got a ball coming in after the game for the boss. That was fucking ridiculous. That was terrible. You're lucky. Uh, and then we went on and we're brown up there. Beat Falkirk at Falkirk. Beat Colmar in the semi final. And then went to the final and won it. So it was just, it was the stars that were meant to be. Yeah. yeah so the, the final itself against Celtic, obviously, it's uh, Celtic are already champions. They're, I think they just reached the semi final of the European Cup by the time. You played them um, completely, complete underdogs going into the game. Was that how you felt, or did you think that yeah, we can beat them, we can beat them? No, we never felt that. We were the complete underdogs according to everybody else. Um, well, there was a lot of Aberdeen people made a lot of money that weekend. <laughs> 91, 10 to one Aberdeen. Um, no, no, a lot of people don't remember this, but. Um, a week before that, we had to play Celtic in a league game at, at the Parkhead. And Eddie Turnbull, I was left out of the team. I was fit. I was okay. I was left out of the team. And I was panicking. Now, just before that, I think I got four games without scoring a goal. And to me, that was that was bad for me. Mm. And always, Eddie, he, and I'm thinking, wait, I'm thinking, what's Eddie think? He must have thought, oh, we must have got to score goals before he played him. Anyway, it wasn't any day we had. We went down there on a Tuesday night and Arthur Graham scored that night and we beat Celtic. Uh, it was either 1-0 or 2-1 or something like that. Uh, I wasn't even there. I was in Aberdeen uh, in my digs. Um, anyway, came the Saturday, you know, and we talked about uh, that night Jockstein had taken in champagne I, the night, the, the Tuesday before that, because if they'd been us on the Tuesday, they were going to win the, the league. Right. Right? And he came in boxes of champagne. He left them in the same dressing room door, right beside your dressing room door as well. So we saw it all. And Eddie came in and says, Do you fuckers think that he's going to win this fucking league with our benefit? Fucking champagne? You fucking. You knew there. Well, Dad didn't go there. The boys were going to there, right? You knew there. They were fucking kids up and right into them and won the game. So I was fantastic. You know, I had, this was a great story coming to. So when we got to uh, Hamden, we're sitting in Hamden, we're all sitting there, and George Murray says, says Listen, boss, he says, just a favour, will you? Because we're nearly going out of the park. We're all a bit, you know, sitting there, this and that. He says, just a favour, will you? And he says, what? He says, did you get that fucking uh, talk you had last uh, last week at Parkhead? He says, what are you talking about? He says, about the champagne and that. And he said, <laughs> he just laughed his eye. And he went, so, and that's the first I'd heard of it. I was, I'd heard it for the players, and the same where it was. I'd heard it. And I, I was right up for it. Everybody was up for it again. But we knew that. We, we murdered Celtic that day. There was no ifs and doubts about it. There was no luck attached to it. We beat them fair and square. 
they say we got a dodgy pair, we didn't get a dodgy pair. I mean, Bobby Burtock, Terry McKay is crossing both their right wing, and Bobby Burtock drops both his arms in there. The ball hits his arm. The ball hits your arm, it's a penalty. Mm-hmm. End of story. Um, so, obviously, I scored the penalty. And then. Oh. Just uh, on the penalty, uh, Joe. Uh, yeah. Is it right? It was from the penalty being won. Are you taking it? It was nearly nine minutes. Yeah, yeah. What does that do? Like, does that, is that an attempt to just kind of delay you and try and get in your head? So, how did that affect you? Did you just kind of yeah, tunnel vision and go for it? No, no. They, I mean, they were they were playing. You know, they were working on the referee. One man we got an argument with him. The next man we got an argument. One man we get booked more away. Then another man we got an argument with him. Get booked. That and just that nine minutes. I mean, I don't, I don't remember the nine minutes. I remember walking out of the box. I remember Arthur, Arthur Graham shouting to me. I remember looking at the Celtic crowd away in the distance because we were hitting the Aberdeen there. Mm. It's just a mass, an absolute mass of people, and they're, you know, they're screaming. And that was, it was all a blur. I remember Arthur shouting, Joe, and I turned round, and he threw the ball at me. Now, this is, this is actually a, a, a funny thing, this, because I'll tell you, let's go on to the referee, the referee if it, or a wee boy did an interview with me after. When Arthur threw the ball, chest high, I caught it in my chest. Then he catch my hands, I caught it in my chest. Mm-hmm. On in my knee, I kept it up twice my knee, on in my foot, up twice, and I'm walking out the box at the time doing that, right? Wow. So it's like people think, Oh, he's an arrogant little bastard, him, isn't he? Yeah. He's showing off now. There's nothing to do with that. And I, keep, I, I, I mean, it sounds crazy, but it was a, it's the first thing that came to mind. Right. Eddie Turnbull had always said to us at training, unless you're a goalkeeper, if, if I throw a ball at you or anybody throws a ball at you, geez, and I see you handling it, he says, you have to do 25 press-ups on the spot. Well, I wasn't going to do 25 press-ups and fucking hammer the <laughs> <laughs> Hundred eight thousand people there. Oh no way! So I just naturally came <coughs> me, and I did it, and I walked too. And this boy, this boy, phoned me up during the week, and asked a young reporter, phoned me up during the week, and asked me my eyes. He said, "Yeah, you're buying. You think you're a big man, eh?" Then walked me. I said, "I told him a story." He says, "Is that right?" I says, "Aye." I says, "Asking the Aberdeen players." I says, "That is a story. If you, if we handled the ball, we had to do twenty-five wherever we were." 25 on the spot. I said, that was the only day that for the 108,000. I said, that I've really been a, a bit fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he says, he says, ah, no. he said, he says, you must have been nervous then. I says, no, I was not actually. I was never nervous taking a penalty kick. Oh, I, I had confidence more than ability. Mm. I knew where I was going to put it. And I, never, I only changed it once in my life. It's against Morton. And the goalie saved it. Um, so, you know, that tells you. So, I'd, I'd, no, I wasn't nervous. The longer it was going on, the more fidgety I was getting. I was thinking of what, where I could go and what, mm-hmm. where I could walk to and stuff like that. And then I turned around to Aberdeen fans. They were brilliant, you know, magnificent sight behind the goal. Uh, and then uh, the boy kept saying, Oh, no, I said, You must have been 108,000 people. I said, You must have been nervous. I said, I wasn't nervous. I was, I said, I was confident. I'm a football player. Mm. It's my job to take penalty kicks. Part of my job. I don't believe you. I said, And he got on a bit with 10 minutes. And okay, 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 you're right. I was nervous. He said, I knew, I knew. He said, What was going through your head? <laughs> I said, 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 I said
si vas yo, vas Rusia, porque okay, no importa cuándo, no, pero no hay nada. Es eso, ok, es eso, no cocktail es good, tú y yo lo Well, no, I wouldn't say that's true because I mean it's a big thing in cup final. You know, we we knew but it's a bigger thing in Aberdeen at that time because we were in cup finals, mm -hmm. Celtic and Rangers were in cup finals. We we hadn't been cup finals since about 1960 or 64 or something. Maybe even more than I can't remember 66, 67. Um, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a normal thing for Aberdeen. So we were nervous, weren't we? But quite Eddie Turnbull was great. At. See, before a game, Eddie would just. He'd be very calm, he'd float about the dressing room. And you wouldn't really notice him, but every time now and again he'd sit down beside somebody and he'd talk to him. And then he'd come to me and he'd talk to me. And what you found out was that he made every player he was talking to personally. He was making him the manic match. You're the man that can win this one, or is you the man that can do this? You're the man that can get the rest of the boys playing. You're the man. But he wasn't telling anybody else. He was just telling us all individually. So when we stood up to go, everyone has felt a million percent because we thought, you know, how can you let him do? We can't let him do. You can't let your mates do. And his last words was this, to get your own game and hour organised and then get your mates organised. You know, if, if your mates are going through a bad spell, help them. You know, and that was the thing we always used to say. You know, if you, when you, when we get a ball, if I, I get a ball, I need to have two or three options, not one. If anybody else gets a ball, they need to have two or three options, not one. And you found that as soon as somebody got a ball, we used to have players go around about us at side, you know, for every side. So you had options where they play the ball. You play it back, play it to the left, play it to the right. And that was all part of Eddie's uh, coaching. That's what it was all about. But, you know, he made us emphasise how much it would be to Aberdeen as a football club to win a, a cup. And I was the one that said in the dressing room that night, I said, if you're going to win a cup, you want to win it against the best. You don't want to win it against a Clyde Bang or a, you know, Albion Rovers or something You want to play the best. You know, there's more glory. You know, I mean, nobody ever, they say nobody ever remembers the losers of cup finals. But they do if it's Rangers and Celtic. You remember if it's Celtic, it be by so Rangers could be by so yeah. We didn't want to win it. We wanted to be the one that would say that Aberdeen won it. They won the losers. We wouldn't have been remembered. And just for a moment, I mean, the whole thing just, it's just like a puzzle. Just everyone seemed to fit in well. You know, we had chances before Celtic had chances. And the penalty was probably the best penalty I've ever taken in my life. I swear to God, I, I, I did everything I wanted to do. I always ran up and I looked as if I was going to play it to the goalkeeper's left, the eyes, left hand. But just at the last minute, I turned my right foot and just had to come across the ball and hit it in the other corner. Um, the goalkeeper was stranded. He never, he never dived yet. He just, he was plumoxed, you know. Yeah. And my ball hit the back of the stanchion in the, you know, the corner, right. which is the perfect penalty. The perfect one. Go down. And it was, of course, when I scored that, I went to turn away and I went, oh, 
I looked up at Aberdeen fans and it was just masses of red, red everywhere. Fantastic. And then, of course, the boys came over and jumped in Tabby and nearly killed me. <laughs> Completely. So, um, is, this, is it right that when, after the final, when you went to get the trophy, they didn't actually have red and white rodents because we're not sure we're going to win? Yeah, yeah, that is right. But what they did do as well is uh, they gave us a cup, but we weren't allowed to parade it. And we were sent straight to the dressing room because the chief inspector said we can't afford that there's going to be a, a riot. You know, there's 108,000 people here. We don't have the people for that. He says, so you're not going to be able to go. But I said, we're not going to go to their end. We're going to go to their end. She's not, don't care, says he, you can't do it. So we never got to parade the cup. Another thing that is very important about that game, eh, was in those days you didn't have a number 66 or number 77 or 99 or 25 or something. It was one year 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I always, always assumed that that was my number was nine. Always assumed that, I, you know, that's my number. I never, ever, when I went in the address room, to, read, to, to sit down before the game. I never ever went and sat at one spot at number nine. I never took it for granted. No. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing that, you know. <clears throat> so go back a week later, a week earlier when we beat Celtic and I never went into Parkhead. So I don't know what the team is. Yeah, I don't know what the team is. So when they dressed room and Teddy had said that I wouldn't worry about it. He said, it was all a tactical thing. They didn't want me to get in there because they thought Celtic would try and kick me off the park. Mm. I, no I had to play uh, the Wednesday night of that week. I played the Tynecastle against Hearts Reserves. Right. So I and this is all coming into my brain. I'm not going to be playing in the final. It's all coming into my brain. And we come in 3 now doing it after and Terry says, he says, tell you something, if you think you've got, you got a chance of playing on Saturday, he says, you better get a finger in it and start scoring goals. We drew three each and I scored a hat-trick. <laughs> but it was all a plan to keep me safe, you know, keep me away from this Celtic thing. Uh, so when, he, when we sat down, he said, right, team is, and we saw the team, Bobby, Henning Ball, Jim Hermerson, Tony McMillan, Martin Buchan, uh, Davy Robb, George Murray, Arthur Graham, and he's getting all the numbers, all the numbers Derry Mackay, number nine, David Robb, number eight. No, Derry Mackay, number seven, David Robb, number eight. Uh, Jim Forrest, nine. And as soon as he said that, I was like, <sighs> I thought, oh, fuck, I'm not playing. But it wasn't it. Number 10, Joe, number 11, Arthur. So I never said then, I just, okay, go on with it. It was a great tactical thing. The last 10 minutes before we're going out on the party, he says, right, he says, Joe, he says, you've got number 10 on your back. Because to them, that would assume that you're not going to be playing through the middle. You're not going to be playing through the middle. Jim's going to be playing through the middle because of his speed. He was exceptionally fast. He says, Billy McNeil's slow. Billy McNeil will need to stick by him. But we uh, left half at the time. Oh, God. Again, I can't remember. Oh, come back to me. He says, he'll be, he'll be falling in behind him, playing as a sweeper, which means that you'll get a lot of room in the ball to use it 
which you are very, very good at. He says, you can pass the boys. I was always going to be a midfield when I, when my, at the end of my career anyway, Paul, you know, yeah. how was that? Yeah. But I was, I was too fitted. I could use the ball both ways. He says, you got all the room in the world, son. He says, Jimmy Emerson, he says, you're moving for left back. You're going to stand in Bobby Murdoch's toes for 90 minutes mm-hmm. or 95 minutes, whatever it takes. George Murray, you're going to left back. And it worked. Everything, everything he did that night, that day, worked to perfection. Absolute perfection. I got all this room in the middle of the park. I was spraying balls about. <clears throat> I said, Go was a perfect example. And Derek's goal, um, I got the ball played up to me. Der- no, Derek, the ball got played out for Bobby and came to Derek and he's back. He's back to the Celtic goal with Tommy uh, Gemmell right behind him. And he turned to, to, to his left side and flicked his right foot over Tommy Gemmell's head, ran round him. I'm in the middle, nobody near me, stuck it in me. I see Jim Forrest running through the, the, the centre, played a 30 yard ball through him. He goes through, has a shot at the goal, keeper saves it, and Derek has carried on with his run and stuck it in at the far post. And it was just perfection. The other thing is that, you know, before the game, when he was telling us this, me being the thing I'm at, the clever football manager, you know, I'm saying, yeah, but boss, you're saying I'll go to the room. Well, this is more the, the, the central midfield player. He said, it'll come back and mark me. He says, no, sir, the central midfield player is Bobby Murdoch. Bobby Murdoch doesn't come back. He's the one that goes forward all the time. And Jim will sort him out. And it did. I mean, uh, honestly, tactics were magnificent. Um, you couldn't, you couldn't, just great. John Clark, I think it was, was the, the, the sweeper. Um, you know, it, it just, uh, everything, everything, it just seemed that like every time we passed the ball, when one of your men, or every time we were tackling, we won it. Or every time we went for a header, we won it. You know, anything like that. It was all working. Um, it's, uh, it's just for overall. Uh, story of a normal occasion, a great, great part of the club's history. So the the, the season after, um, were you a lot more confident that you could challenge for the league title? Obviously, you go on a phenomenal run of twelve games without conceding a goal, and uh, was was confidence high in the squad going into that seventy seventy one season that you could challenge for the title? Yeah, yeah, we we, we should have won the league that year. Uh, that was the year that the fire was it? It was, yeah. I, I wish I won it that year. I mean, I'm not a great believer in any excuses or anything. But, I mean, that, that year was really bad. You know, we were sitting top of the league when, if, when that fire happened. Yeah. <coughs> uh, we just got into Parkhead and beat Celtic and then down. I think I scored a header that day. I rolled down, threw in for Jim Hermsen and David Robb, David Baghead, and I scored. And we're sitting top of the league and we're playing really well. And uh, the whole thing just changed. And as soon as that fire happened, I mean, we weren't we, we didn't have any real changing facilities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fire um, we didn't have any training facilities. We used to have a gymnasium that we could train in, uh, that we used to train in, uh, and it was good. You know, uh, it was at the park. Uh, that was badly damaged, but we used that as a changing room for the games this Saturday. Right. But, you know, I mean, you've played, I remember we were playing in a, Celtic were playing again, and they've, they've got a big curtain right across the front and a curtain right down the middle. So you've got two, like, boxes, one on each side. And we're in there, and Celtic and Jock Steen are in the other one. And we're trying, they're trying to 
Manager leaving um, was that a, a big blow when Eddie Turnbull decided to go back to Hibs? Harry Catrick was uh, 
you you've got to go. I said I don't have to go. I'm still got my contract. He's not going to. He said you've got to go. He says the money we're getting from you will keep this club alive for four years. That was when I was at hundred eighty thousand. I hope you've enjoyed that. Make sure to subscribe on your podcast player for the second part coming very soon. I hope you've enjoyed that. Make sure to subscribe on your podcast player for the second part coming very soon.